In Louisiana, there's a major update to those death row clemency hearings we've been discussing. In Texas, a grandfather shoots his grandson in an accidental shooting during a wedding. And in Dubai, a college student is freed after a prison stint over the touching of a security guard. Mm. These stories and more coming at you today, Monday, October 9th, on Real Life Real Crime Daily. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Everton. And I'm Mike Agavino. It's already October 9th. Crazy. Crazy. Oh my God. But, but it's not 90 whole, anymore. It's what already October, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just that. Yeah. Seems like. Yeah. And my football season's already just hopeless. finished my taxes yeah. from last year. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the weather was beautiful, and let's roll with some crime time for Monday, gentlemen. All right, and we got a settlement uh, reached regarding the clemency hearings, these death row clemency hearings for inmates in Louisiana that the Governor John Bell Edwards was pushing for. And uh, this is great, phenomenal news uh, as far as, you know, these clemency hearings are concerned. Nearly all of the death row inmates will no longer be eligible for clemency hearings. It comes as after a settlement was made between East Baton Rouge Parish District Attorney Hiller Moore Great guy. and the Louisiana Board of Pardons Committee on Parole. Governor John Bell Edwards was urging that parole board to reduce the 56 death row inmates sentences to life in prison. Moore and other district attorneys then filed injunctions to stop the hearings from being scheduled, saying eligibility, notice, and timeless requirements were ignored. Today, the parole board agreed to follow its rules and procedures moving forward, meaning almost all of the inmates on death row will not get a clemency hearing. Uh, This is something that Moore believes is a win for the victim's families, and the district attorney said we're in the right position for the right reason, and we fully expect that we will prevail, and this is a hard fight on behalf of the victim's families. I expect they will appeal anything they can appeal, and I know we will fight everything that we need to fight with everything we have based on the law and facts. Now, the first set of inmates, Clemency hearings were set to start next week, but Moore said now very few will be able to file for those appeals. Basically, it was illegal. Yes. And and the attorney general said it's illegal, and the governor still wants to push it through, and the law prevails, and and thank God for that for the victims' families and and everyone else who had to deal with all these horrible, horrible crimes. Amen to that. Uh, y'all know I'm a um, ordained minister. I did. You know that. If I get married a third time, that, that, you're, I'm you're my your man. man. I'm your man. So uh, I'm not. Honey, don't. So this guy was an ordained minister out of Texas, and this story could easily come with banjos and fiddles for Mike to share. But a grandfather was arrested after he accidentally shot his 12-year-old grandson in the shoulder while officiating a wedding, according to the Lancaster, Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. Michael, right, Michael Gardner, really a shotgun wedding? Michael Gardner, 62, of Odessa, Texas, was set to preside over the nuptials at a hillside events in Denton, Nebraska, on Saturday evening when he fired a blank round from his revolver into the air. That was a blank. Yeah, okay. right. That, that, that old... Shitty movie I'm never going to watch. 
Um, <laughs> Rust. Rust, yeah. <laughs> from when he fired a blank round from his revolver into the air, according to the chief deputy. Gardner was trying to gain everybody's attention after the wedding, got off to be a late start because somebody forgot the rings that you said. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. The minister to get the wedding going because nobody's paying attention. Right, right. His move is to fire. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so Great. anyway, so the, the chief said that the firearm was a Pieta 1860 snub nose revolver and the blank round contained black powder inside the case with glue. When he decided to cock back the hammer of this revolver, it slipped and it shot his grandson in the left shoulder, causing an injury. Mm. What we believe is the glue is is what injured. They think the glue is what injured the child. The uh, chief said. He added that the boy was transported to an area hospital before being taken to another hospital in Omaha for further treatment of the non-life-threatening injuries. We do have the weapon, the ammunition, and the spent casing. The, the chief said the deputy also stated that Gardner turned himself in on Monday and was arrested on suspicion of felony child abuse due to the seriousness of the injuries. Um, what the county attorney decides to charge him with is up to him. He said, adding that the crime to fit the statute, uh, that the crime fit the statute of child abuse. is just kind of neglectful to take out a gun that has blanks and fired amongst people. The chief said, playing with firearms, no matter what, even if they're blanks, bad things can certainly happen. And that is the truth. And he added, we do not believe Michael intended to hurt his grandchild, but the act was not very smart. So he thinks what actually hit him was the glue. So, so what happened, uh, I, I think um, Bruce Lee's, yes. the, the kid that did The Crow, yeah. whatever, they, even blanks have um, – Powder, so you still have an explosion inside the cartridge, and it, it, it expels the. It's, it's yeah, like a if stuffing. you're close enough, yeah. And I, I fire a lot of blanks some of the days with training and everything else, but it, they hurt, and and uh, and in the hidden in the right spot, they can kill you. Like Bruce Lee's nephew, he put the gun jokingly in his head, pulled it. Well, that little bit went through the skull and killed him. Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee, that's it. And he was a great actor, by the way. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, you know, what the fuck? Why, why are you carrying some of those revolver blanks? He must have been playing on fire. In 1861 at that Right, right. He must have been playing on, <laughs> this was on fire. Wide herb. Anyway, right? <laughs> Officiating there this you thing. Go. There you have it. So. Wow. Yeah. I, I, believe I you're guess he'll, he'll quiet the crowd down differently yeah, next right. time. Well, I'm glad uh, the kids are Actually, every crowd I've been in, when fire went off, it clears the crowd. Nothing clears the room like a little gunfire. Yeah, you yeah. got that right, Jack. I don't know if it's me, but I hear from especially younger people uh, a desire to go to Dubai. I guess the city sort of came out of nowhere in the last mm. two decades, and it's mm. sparkling clean and has these indoor, enormous buildings and uh, in, indoor ski mountains with snow. Yeah, crazy, they built crazy stuff. all this this stuff out of the ocean, and they pumped all sand up and built these big high rises and everything else. Well, before you book your tickets, folks, you should listen to this story. A New York City college student who was sentenced to a year in prison for touching a Dubai airport security guard's arm has been freed after a hellish five months and is heading back home. 
Elizabeth Palanca de los Santos, a Lehman College student, is ecstatic to be returning to the U.S. after five months of anguish. She was uh, aided by the advocacy group Detained in Dubai. I didn't know we needed an advocacy group called Detained in Dubai. But the 21-year-old sentence was commuted a day after she was ordered to be jailed for the July incident in which she was accused of assaulting and insulting, assaulting and insulting a female airport employee. Elizabeth boarded her flight home to New York late Tuesday night. Detained in Dubai, CEO Rada Sterling said in a release, quote, the news that her sentence would be commuted was a welcome end to Elizabeth's hellish five months in Dubai that left her humiliated, traumatized and out of pocket $50,000. The advocacy group then shared a message thread between the Bronx College student and Sterling. Los Santos confirmed to the CEO that she appeared in court and was fingerprinted during the day before she was told to meet police at the airport, where she would then retrieve her passport and board a plane bound for New York. Los Santos's months-long detainment in the UAE began in July when she embarked on a vacation to Istanbul with a friend. The pair connected through Dubai rather than Paris on their way back because they had heard so much about the city and wanted to see it. They had a 10-hour layover to explore the city. We thought it would be a more modern and futuristic city, but we were completely wrong, she told the advocacy group. While she was checked by airport security, Los Santos was asked to remove a doctor-mandated waist compression suit she needed because she had had a recent back surgery. She was brought back to a private screening room with plain-clothed women who removed the compression suit but were rough, hurting her swollen wounds as they removed the compressor. This is according to Los Santos's mother. I was feeling uncomfortable and afraid. I felt really violated, Los Santos said. Los Santos then requested assistance to put the complex garment back on, but the woman, the women only laughed at her and caused her to become even more uncomfortable. Los Santos leaned over to ask her friend to come help uh, put the, uh, uh, the brace back on, but while she was doing so, she made contact with one of the female workers. I guess she was... Uh, touching her to kind of move her uh, along, move her uh, out of the way so her friend could get in the position she wanted her friend in. And so uh, she described it as, I gently touched her arm to guide her out of the way. Uh, officers detained Los Santos for hours while the female worker wrote a complaint up against the American before uh, forms uh, that were written in Arabic were brought in for the 21-year-old to sign. So whatever the... Officer wrote up as the complaint was in Arabic, and then they came right. in and forced her to sign it. She spent the last couple of months moving between uh, different spots as she awaited for the courts to hear her case. In August, a judge ordered her to pay a fine of ten thousand uh, dollars, and uh, that's in uh, that's in AED money, and uh, and uh, another compensatory payment, which was used to extort tourists for a secondary income. On Monday, prosecutors appealed the ruling and Los Santos was ordered to a year in prison before Tuesday's commutation. Sterling called upon the Dubai government to forbid workers from asking for such payments as Dubai's justice system is routinely misused to extort victims. And it's about time the U.S. State Department updates its travel warnings to reflect this common practice. Elizabeth has been left with the scars of an incomprehensibly traumatic experience for a young student. She's lost about $50,000 and she will never be compensated. 
back for it. Furthermore, she's been convicted on the basis of mere allegations, sentenced to a year's prison, fined and deported. That in and of itself, in and of itself, is a disgrace. Well, mm. travel carefully if one is going to go to Dubai, right? Or any, you know, uh, any any country outside the United States. You, you know, there are rules, and there's a lot of countries out there that uh, you realize how good you have it in the United States sometimes yeah. when you travel when to travels. other countries, and you yeah. realize how much freedom you actually have in the United States. In my opinion, definitely. So. Uh, a Texas woman will spend the next 75 years behind bars for the sadistic torture of another young woman who lived in her home. 27-year-old Simone Junkin, who still has burn scars on her arms, testified against her abuser, 37-year-old Alicia Calardone. She was friends with Alicia before any of this happened, Farrah Junkin, uh, the mother of the victim, said. In 2019, Junkin thought she was moving into Calderon's trailer to clean and take care of Calderon's children and disabled elderly woman in exchange for free rent. Junkin's parents say the communication drifted. For more than two years, however, Calderon controlled Junkin with unthinkable torture. She severely burned her arms, chest, and back by pouring pots of boiling water on her. Mm. She deprived her of food, locked her in a dog crate, and cut off her communication to the outside world. Uh, On February 1st of 2022, Junkin got a hold of a phone and sent her stepfather a message saying she was locked in a room and needed help. It was the first time in two years Junkin had spoke with her parents. Her stepfather went to the trailer with deputies who had to remove stacked stones away from the door to, in order to free her. She was down to 68 pounds. 68 oh pounds. Oh, my God. Her head was shaved, and she had second and third degree burns. I initially did not recognize her. This from Junkin's stepfather. She spent weeks in the hospital recovering from her injuries and needed multiple surgeries because of the burns. During the sentencing, prosecutors revealed she stole nearly $80,000 from the disabled elderly woman in her care. The money was going towards tattoos, tire rims, and party rentals. Prosecutors say her husband, Joseph Calderon, was also involved and is awaiting sentencing. 75 years she got, and I say she deserves every right. every single yeah, day of it. Hard man. time. I hope it's hard time. That's crazy. Evil people. The world has become a smaller place, and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life, Real Crime, and The Daily Show. And that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Au revoir. Um, all right. Take you to my least favorite city. Love the people. Well, most of them anyway. But uh, four students were among five people shot at Morgan State University in Baltimore on Tuesday night during homecoming week, sending the school into lockdown for over two hours. And now no arrests were made in the shooting on the campus of the historically black university in Maryland. Police didn't reveal whether they believe more than one shooter was involved. Four males and one female between the ages of 18 and 22, all students at the college were shot when the gunfire erupted around 925 PM. Thankfully, none of the injuries are life-threatening. Morgan State University police were patrolling the campus when they heard the gunfire and called Baltimore PD for backup. The campus cops located the victims and treated them at the scene before they were rushed to area hospitals. Campus officers feared the shooter might have still been in the area and been ready to commit more violence. Um, Baltimore PD then put out an alert around 10 p.m. warning of an active shooter situation near the campus and urged residents to shelter in place. By 11.45 p.m., police declared that there was no longer an active shooter threat, and just after 12.30 a.m., Morgan State announced the shelter-in-place order was lifted. Baltimore council members said there may have been more than one shooter. It's, it is believed there were... Three shooters firing at the crowd, City Councilmember Ryan Dorsey said, but police officials were not able to confirm the number of shooters. Morgan State University had asked people to stay clear of the area surrounding its Thurgood Marshall Hall and the Murphy Fine Arts Center. It also asked concerned parents to avoid the campus area and instead to report to a nearby parking lot during the lockdown. Its students have been celebrating homecoming week ahead of the university's big game scheduled for Saturday when the bullets flew. And just hours earlier, the college hosted a coordination event to crown Mr. and Mrs. Morgan State. University President David Wilson said the event at the Murphy Fine Arts Center was almost filled to capacity as parents from across the country joined students. This was an unbelievably beautiful event this evening, and our students at the end of that we're headed over to the student center to rejoice and to enjoy themselves when this unfortunate situation erupted on the campus, Wilson said. The tra- traumatic shooting overshadowed the week's homecoming celebrations and classes were canceled Wednesday with around-the-clock counseling available students. And with those size crowds in the area, it's a miracle more people weren't shot and that nobody was killed, right? Wow. Yeah, I mean that big that big an event. Yeah, and when you, you're shooting that many rounds and you hit that many people, I mean you're indiscriminately shooting. It's not like you're aiming at one person, right? It's another sign of the times, people. Do um, you guys remember when <clears throat> there were big news stories breaking when the the Brat Pack guys from the Howard Stern show would call into to talk shows or news programs and. Uh, like the most famous one was 
them calling in during the OJ chat. Captain yeah, Jenks yeah. was the guy's name, and yeah. he would he would call mm-hmm. in and uh, with these fake phone calls, and then you know say Baba Booey right, at the right, end right. of it or whatever. Well, Fox was covering Fox was covering this story, and some Captain Jenks like guy who's a Tucker Carlson uh, fan. Uh-huh. Gets somehow Fox believes this guy is legit. He's claiming that he's an eyewitness and he's on site and everything like that. that. And I mean, he just completely makes them look like the biggest morons on the planet. And that, uh, that video, uh, well, it's really audio is, uh, is going around. uh, One one of my favorite Baba Booey's was a PGA one. I don't want the masters or something. The guy was on the 18th putting for the win and right when he, when it went to hit it, the uh, guy shouted, Baba Booey! <laughs> it was dead sound. I mean, they were, there was a period of time where <laughs> yeah, was they were everywhere yeah. and everybody was afraid. You know, everybody right. was on the lookout for, you know, who's trying to get me. But obviously, the whoever is screening callers these days at the, right. at the networks are probably not as careful as they, uh, they should be. Okay, well, uh, it was a series that put Netflix on the map. Yep, I know what it is. Making a murder. Making a murder. You watched it. I did. You watched yep. it. Yeah. I watched it. I think. I think they were. I think everybody. Right. Everybody watched I it. I thought they were full shit from the beginning. Well, you had a an advantage over most of the right. rest of us. You could smell a rat a lot easy, more easily than, uh, let's say, at least than I could, and so uh, that uh, that series convinced a lot of people that. This guy had been had been railroaded, and so you know, knowing this audience and how interested you guys are in true crime, I'm going to assume the vast majority of you also watched this series. I'm uh, I'm talking about making a murder that debuted back in 2015. I can't believe it's been that long. The directors of Making a Murderer, Laura Ricciardi and Moira Demos were lauded for the series. They won tons of awards and uh, they've made personal fortunes. And really the series helped propel Netflix into what Netflix is today. But now the directors and Netflix are being accused of quote, ethically shady filmmaking in a new 10 episode documentary called convicting a murderer, which is hosted by Candace Owens. The two directors are even accused of directly telling Stephen Avery, um, name should be familiar, as he was the uh, the guy that was accused of uh, uh, of the murder in this case, that they believed he was framed and calling the production quote his movie. The series is flat out accused of being a ploy designed to free a killer. Nearly a decade after becoming an Emmy-winning sensation that helped Netflix gain their meteoric rise. Just to refresh quickly, the 2015 docuseries followed the legal fight of Stephen Avery and his nephew, Brendan Dassey. They were trying to be cleared of murdering a freelance photographer named Teresa Hallback back in 2005 in Wisconsin. Owens and convicting a murderer director, Sean Reck, accused Netflix of setting out to portray Avery as a victim of corrupt law enforcement as cops investigated Holbach's murder. Avery, you'll remember, had been freed in 2003 after spending 18 years behind bars for a crime he did not commit, that they proved he did not commit. So the 
So quickly, the audience was sort of brought into this on the thought that well, this guy was wrongfully convicted once and served almost 20 years of his life. Um, why couldn't it happen again? DNA evidence helped prove who the actual guilty party was in that case. Two years later, the remains of Teresa Hallback, 25 years old, from Green Bay, were found in the Avery family's auto salvage yard. Hallback had gone there to take pictures of a vehicle for a possible listing in Auto Trader magazine. She was a freelancer but did a lot of work for Auto Trader. Dassey, who was 17 at the time, claimed to uh, claimed Manitowoc County uh, detectives coerced him into confessing and helping his uncle Stephen Avery, who was 43 at the time, rape and kill the freelance photographer. Avery was charged with Hallback's murder a month later, but claimed the charge was intended to discredit his $36 million lawsuit against Manitowoc County for his previous wrongful conviction. So he was in the middle of suing them for $36 million from the 18 years he spent behind bars that he didn't know. Both men were convicted, prompting a series of appeals and reviews that were featured in Making a Murder. Reck and Owens, the two behind the new Convicting a Murderer documentary, claim their investigation reveals how a senior Netflix advisor encouraged the two directors to ethically shade decisions throughout the production. We have recordings of them telling Stephen Avery that it's his movie and that they hope he gets out as a result of it. Owens said the two did not tell viewers or journalists while they promoted both seasons of the show about their belief. Quote, it wouldn't have minded. Boom, Jim. Quote, I wouldn't have minded if the directors on the media circuit said, hey, listen, we called this guy and told him we think he's completely not guilty. And that's the story we want to tell. She said that honestly up front is needed. Don't pretend that you don't have a narrative or a stake in this. Netflix depicted Avery as part of a large, loving family, but downplayed its history of pedophilia and outwardly racist beliefs and suggested he was the victim of police corruption. Owens and Wright claim. There's no question that Netflix tried to make it seem as if it was plausible that all of this was a setup against Stephen Avery conducted by the state and willing participants being police officers again, according to Owens. It was stunned by the audacity of Netflix to present them as something else. They pretended to be agnostic and they certainly were not agnostic, which we will show in the prison calls between Stephen Avery. It was dishonest. Owens assisted directors and Netflix intentionally omitted key evidence linking Avery to the murder, as well as disturbing details of his animal cruelty conviction in 1981. Rett claimed that Netflix executive said he hoped the audience would understand the allegations of police prosecutor and pro prosecutorial misconduct were just a theory and not proven. Well, I don't think the audience took anything that way. Uh, they use narrative filmmaking filmmaking techniques to uh, uh, to tell a story. It was a pure advocacy piece. So I have watched the first five episodes of this. It's pretty compelling and mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious what, uh, I tell you what the kind of manipulation nephew, that was going on. Nephew is absolutely, he got railroaded, but Stephen Avery killed that girl, period. It, uh, the the whole narrative uh, uh, that ends up being absurd that it was over this this lawsuit, et cetera. He killed her, and that they planted. I mean, it's just it's too much for me to go into. The, but the nephew that they that boy got railroaded. Yeah, yeah. You watch his interrogation tapes and everything else. I mean, like holy shit. The the like 
so y'all did this and this and this and and it was like so touch what he did and he said he just wanted to go home and he said Mm -hmm. i just want to go and he said well we did it like this and they said which was far from the truth what it was and he kept changing the story until they fed it to him and he he repeated it and but that other dude is a douchebag he's right where he belongs well the uh the documentary directors, the new document, documentary directors definitely believe uh, what you believe, Woody. So I encourage anybody who has continuing I'm gonna watch in the, the case the new to, one. I haven't to seen the check new it one. out. <clears throat> it's right now, it's only on uh, Daily Wire Plus is the only place it's yeah. available, but they usually run something and then they uh, release it more broadly. Manawak, that's right there close to my brother from another mother and Toma, uh, Shane McBride. All right, an armed biker uh, is going to regret messing with a, well, he does regret messing with a Philadelphia woman's car. Uh, Big video circulating on social media shows a woman stood up to an armed biker who attacks her car after crashing it and threatening her at gunpoint. The biker appeared to be part of an illegal dirt bike, an ATV rider gang. I didn't know there was ATV rider gangs, but apparently they actually are. that's a big deal now. And they they're actually causing major traffic scenes in cities all over the country. Uh, drivers tend to stay out of the way of these groups, but a young woman fought back when a biker endangered her family and friend. Uh, the biker group was riding through an intersection in downtown Philadelphia on Sunday evening, filtering through traffic in a haphazard formation that puts drivers in danger of crashing with the bikers. Nikki Bullock, she was delivering for Uber Eats, accompanied by a friend and two children. They were in Bullock's Ford Fusion when the biker group rode by. But as she was exiting the Fusion, the biker jumped off the trunk to meet her, dropping his handgun in the process. The biker picked up the pistol and beyond just brandishing the firearm, aims the pistol at Bullock point blank. The young woman never misses a beat and advances towards the biker. She then headbutts, uh, actually the biker then headbutts Bullock, using his helmet as a weapon Ooh. to harm her. Bullock just proceeds to push the biker back, and the biker seems to be at a total loss of how to react in the face of such an undaunted defense. Yeah. I mean, Somebody when you see the video, he's totally confused. You can see he he didn't expect that shit. Yeah. Uh, realizing he's outmatched, the biker tries to get back on his motorcycle to rejoin the pack, but Bullock's not done with him yet. She pushes him off the bike, knocking the bike over. The biker stumbles while staring at her, gets up again, and finally manages to ride away, struggling to get back on the bike to ride away. He was so shocked. Uh, There's a video of the entire incident that we will post on it. They, they can't let that guy back in the yeah. gang. I was going to say, no way. And, and obviously they're not one percenters, but the, um, they're in every major city now. The you know one percenters being true outlaw gangs, right? That's what uh, if you ever see a one percenter patch on a leather jacket, that means they they don't conform by the, they they are known outlaws. Period. Did you know that? I know about three yeah, percenters. One uh, percent. One percent. Well, you know three percenters are, don't you? You know who three percenters are. The uh, oh, he knows. He just want to say, oh, you really don't they're, know. They're an offshoot of the Coin Boys. I don't know. Uh, close, close. Actually, one, three percenters are uh, supposedly when uh, 
1776 when we became a country. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah three was, only three yeah, percent yeah. stood up. Right, and, right. Yeah, the, you didn't, uh, uh, so Damn, the, there's a all female. Um, and the funny thing is, they, they these off road bikes that they make, you know, and they bring to the cities and do this. But there's a female, all female gang in Yons. The, um, it's the Pinkies, I think, Pinks or something like that. Hmm. That was on Greece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pink ladies. Well, but that's got to be like when the bad guys fire a bullet at Superman and the bullet just bounces off his chest, you know, and yeah. they, they're like, what's wrong with my gun? Right, what kind of, right. This guy headbutts with a helmet on, right. honestly, and. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> still got his ass kicked. So I don't know where he can go today. But, I mean, but, he's ha- he's got to be extradited from the gang. I, I study biker gangs and uh, uh, origins and everything. It's from the soldiers came back from World War II that uh, had the combat experience, and they they you know the, the actually the original Harleys that they had in, in World War II and all that, and that, those first biker gangs. But the one percenters are the ones, the badasses, the uh, Hell's Angels, the you know, mongoloids or whomever say, ever see the one person? It doesn't mean they're, it, they just don't abide by the laws and they make it known to that. So let's go to Las Vegas. Wait, what What about the um, the banditos? You didn't, Same thing. You one, didn't include one, them. One percenters. Yeah. I, I had deals with the banditos. I bet and you did. In I Paris, yep. in a bike shop. So, but anyway, let's go to Vegas. Uh, in a misunderstanding over giggling, after a passenger on a Las Vegas bus passed gas, for you, those of you who don't know what that means, they, they farted. Important clarification. That led to a shooting. Dominic Johnson, 25, a convicted felon, was charged with attempted murder and battery, among other charges, in, uh, and connected to the shooting. Police in Eudora, Arkansas, arrested Johnson. He was booked in the Clark County Detention Center. Johnson was a passenger on the RTC bus when it stopped that afternoon. Video shows a person whom police identified as Johnson standing up in the back of the bus, drawing a gun from his waistband and pointing at another passenger. Johnson then fired four rounds at the passenger before he ran off the bus, police (laughs) said. Right? The victim sustained wounds to his hand, stomach, and leg. Shortly after the shooting, police searched a nearby apartment where the witnesses saw the suspect run. Police later interviewed the shooting victim who told them he and his girlfriend were on the bus and were laughing about a smell when he remembered hearing a loud pop. (laughs) The victim told police he never spoke with Johnson, had no conversation with him, and was flabbergasted at what could have caused Johnson to target him in such a violent manner. In surveillance video, Johnson appears to mind his own business for about 10 minutes. At one point, the victim and his girlfriend can be heard laughing about the flatulence. Again, y'all, that's farts. <laughs> Johnson appears in the video looking at them while he scratched his head. Johnson appears to become more irritated at the laughing and after several minutes pulled the gun and fired the shots. Police later matched a prior booking photo photo and social media profile Johnson and police also served a search warrant to Johnson's home, finding a gun and ammunition and clothing. Johnson was barred from having a gun for a prior grand larceny of a firearm. All that ever getting pissed at someone for passing gas. Was it the the fart or was it the giggle? Well, well, see, here's the deal. Like, prisoners and shit, the, the... I mean, if you could look at it wrong and it's a sign of disrespect, I'm pretty sure if Johnson farted, 
and they were laughing about it, and he he got disrespected. So mm. he tried to kill him. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Hold your poop on those buses. Right, he must yeah. have mm. ate at one of the buffets in Vegas. Cork it up. Wow, let's go to Florida. Pinellas County? No, we're in the panhandle here. We've done a lot of panhandle stories, too. A convicted murderer who killed two women he met at bars along the Florida panhandle and was subsequently put on death row has now been executed. Oh. Michael Dwayne Zach III, age 54, was killed by lethal injection at 6.14 p.m. Eastern Time. On Tuesday, Zach met with his wife and his spiritual advisor. He declined the last meal that was offered to him. Does that happen often? Often. Yeah. Yeah? I wouldn't. Pretty often. I don't want to shit it in my diaper that they put on you when they electrocute you or, or kill you. No. Are they going to do it? Okay. Check out Last Meal's Bloody Angola Season 2, Episode 4. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. Got that. So Stark is a city in the uh, seat of Bradford County, Florida. Uh, only has a population of 5,796. What has a big federal uh, or state prison there? Um, he declined that last meal, and the department did not say what the meal was. Okay, I thought he would get to decide what the meal was. but mm, Some of again, check out the Bloody Angle episode. Some of them have... <laughs> Some of them you, you can only have. Some you fresh can only local have a number seven from Taco right, Bell. Florida, this happened in Florida, right? One before they changed the law, one you know you can have oh, you want. Yeah. You ordered like four hundred dollars worth of food and didn't eat any of it, so they're like, "Fuck you!" And now, now they're going to change the law. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, the double murderer was asked if he had any last words, to which he said, "Yes, sir." He then lifted his head to look at the witnesses. And said, I love you all. The U.S. Supreme Court on Monday denied a request to halt the execution of the death row inmate after attorneys for Zach requested a stay of execution last week. Michael Zach murdered Rayvon Smith, stabbing her using an oyster knife back in June of 1996. He was also convicted and separately sentenced to life in prison for murdering Laura Rosillo, who he met at another bar in a nearby county. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed Zach's death warrant on August 17th, but his attorney said at trial that he should not face the death penalty because he suffered from fetal alcohol syndrome and post-traumatic stress disorder. They argued that his brain was dysfunctional and he had a mental impairment condition, which they claimed made Zach impulsive and caused him to be under constant emotional and mental distress. None of these claims held up in court and he was sentenced to uh, so the Florida Supreme Court and the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals also passed on stopping the execution. The execution was the eighth under DeSantis dating back to 2019 and the sixth this year after there were no executions in 2020 through 2022. DeSantis has made tougher, far more, more far-reaching death penalty laws an issue in his presidential campaign. I didn't know that. I haven't picked up on that. But uh, yes, is Mr. Zach is no longer with us. Pretty much. What'd you say? Yeah. I was making a joke. Was that a joke? Is yeah. did you ask if DeSantis was still running for president? God, I hope he is. Um, oyster knife killer, right? I like think I get a sack of oysters for this weekend. I didn't think about that. If, if you eat oysters in Louisiana, eat them in the Muncie and then R. That's when they're the best. Y'all didn't know that? Otherwise, they they they. 
they get too, no, they I've get never too, heard they that, get too actually. milky. Uh, huh. You can't tell it if if you get them fried, but if you, if you shuck oysters, months at the end in all. So July, no good. September, the, good. July, July, milky oh. is milky as January, hell. February, March. April, all of those. You're throwing out all of those. When I, I when can it. I eat oysters? I can't eat oysters. October, November, December. September, October, November, December. That's when they're the best. That's when they're fattest and the, and the most full and the clear, the cleanest. Okay, in February or? Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> right. So fill up on oysters now. But what if I buy oysters? I, I, I'm, not saying, I'm saying from Louisiana oysters. Yeah, oh. They got all the different kinds hmm. and everything. I, I shuck That's my worth own exploring. Suck my own oysters. That. I'm a connoisseur. 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 Oyster po' boy. Right? I mean, I could go for one of them right now. Get some oysters, boy. You eat oysters, Mike? Oh, uh, yeah. I love oysters. You know, they're aphrodisiac. In some households. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. They stole what? what? That's they right. Stole Jim Chapman. We got a stole what today for you. And this is a good one, y'all. A Florida man is now behind bars after he took a stolen street sweeper for a spin. Nice. That's right. Kevin Aponte was arrested and charged with grand theft of a motor vehicle. Believe it or not, a street sweeper is considered a motor vehicle, and the lawn care business center told a lawn care business center told deputies his street sweeper was stolen from the shop that he operated out of. Surveillance footage from the business shows a pickup truck in the driveway and someone wearing a gray hoodie under an orange reflective vest walking around the street sweeper. The uh, the person is seen touching the street sweeper before it was taken from the property. The business owner said Aponte, 29, who was a former employee, uh, that he believes that he actually stole that street sweeper. That's because only somebody who is trained would be able to operate this street sweeper, and he uh, suspected that Aponte had taken the sweeper to use in his own business. He separated from this business about six months ago after an argument about him wanting to start his own business and taking contracts with him. Happens all the time. Aponte reportedly told uh, in the past not to return to the business or use any equipment, but just prior to the street sweeper going missing, he called to ask if he could use the street Uh, sweeper, and he was denied. So, yeah, that's probably not the best time to actually steal it. Uh, deputies found Aponte and the street sweeper at an intersection, and a traffic stop was initiated, and Aponte was detained. In his post-Miranda interview, Aponte said he did not have permission to use the street sweeper, but he needed it to do a job and was going to return it. He was transported, of course, to the Marion County Jail, where he posted $2,000 bond and was released. Hey, I swim when he was in high school and had the party wagon in mm. Cortana Mall. Mm. We were leaving whatever little bar because uh, we were too young to drink, but they served us. And had a street sweeper out there. and had the party wagon. And one of my friends is now deceased. And another one of mine who ended up being a frat brother said, I bet you can do donuts around that sweeper. And I did it. I kept Come on. Us harassing the shit out of him. Well, I didn't know those fuckers could run so fast. When I got done, Sweet Sweeper chased me all the way out to Florida Boulevard for like five miles. I mean, he was keeping up, but I was in the station wagon. Yeah. 
Wait, how fast can it go? I don't know. The fastest I could go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought I those thought things maxed around. out at like. But this one didn't. They must have been a, a Pinellas County street sweeper. souped up. Yeah, Pinellas County <laughs> super. Well, sweeper. there you go. Souped up street sweeper. I want to do the super cops. off-duty police officer is being held a hero after he saved a mom and a bleeding baby from a car wreck on Interstate 30 in Little Rock. Madison Coulson, who works for the Pine Bluff Police Department in Arkansas, was making his way to North Little Rock at around 9 a.m. when he noticed an unusual traffic jam. Usually, traffic on the interstate can be credited to traffic, but this time it seemed different. I saw people get out of their vehicles, and I thought this isn't normal, he said. After leaving his car to investigate, Coss learned that there was a black vehicle turned on its side, and someone was saying, there's a baby inside. So he immediately sprung into action. Coulson climbed on top of the vehicle, opened the car door, and got the mother and child out safely. However, he noticed that the baby appeared injured. He was bleeding from his head, Coulson said. There was blood coming from his face. Once the mother and the child were safely out of the car, Carlson took it upon himself to handle the congested traffic on the highway. While directing folks on the interstate, he said he held the baby in his arms and told drivers where to go. Can you imagine that? He's not in officer uniform directing around while holding a bleeding baby. That's crazy. No one else was available, he said. The mom has since thanked Carlson for being her guardian angel and due to him being at the right place at the right time, Carlson believes there's a reason he happened upon the car wreck on that very day. What's the chances of an off-duty police officer being in a spot where a police officer couldn't get to at that very moment, he said. It wasn't anything that I'm taking credit for, Carlson added. I wasn't even supposed to be there at that moment, but clearly I was supposed to be there. Mother and child are recovering well and suffered only minor injuries. Wow, Amazing. shout out to shout that out, officer. Carlson. You are a super cop. Super cop. Super cop. Gets a super theme. Oh, <clears throat> we didn't have a closing to the super cop. Uh, we just do the opening. Okay. Just the opening for that. Yeah. We don't want to give them too much of a good thing. I, I, I understand. We don't want to get number one in the pop charts. <laughs> there's a lot of banjos. Today we've got banjos and fiddles in honor of Julio B. Julio B. Julio B. Julio B. Be in jail. <laughs> I knew that was coming. As soon I as I said it, I was like, I wait a minute. I, I never but, heard that one. But Julio had been in jail for a long time when he hatched a plan to escape mm-hmm. from jail. He was originally caught piloting a seaplane with 200 Kilos of nice. cocaine from Mauritania to the Canary Islands. Like 500 pounds. Yeah. Who's, uh, whose territory is the Canary Islands? Uh, I may get probation I for think, this. Uh, I may be out of my jurisdiction. That's my jurisdiction. Yeah, but Canary Islands? Yeah, but it's, that's a, over the, it's yeah. a dumb story, so I, so I okay. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, I think it's about the Bahamas or something. Seven Trumps. Okay, so <laughs> anyway. A bunch of canaries. Tell us about who it would be. Julio's. Julio's plan was that he was going to fly over the prison a four-foot-long Zeppelin. Oh, God. And the Zeppelin, which was being remotely controlled by friends of his outside of the prison, 
was to drop night vision goggles and climbing equipment <laughs> to him. Okay. He must have some money. <laughs> the, the police said that they arrested the three people outside the jail who were helping to prepare the escape. So uh, the uh, house searches on Grand Canary Island also uncovered a tent and a telephoto lens that the gang had used to observe security details at the jail from a hill about 600 meters away. So, you know, Julio be kind of smart in getting these details understood so that the Zeppelin could fly over at the right time. But Julio be not that smart because who's not going to spot a five-foot Zeppelin flying over? uh, That's funny. But they didn't think that far. He had to have some money to pay for Zeppelin and night vision uh, equipment and everything, a telescopic lens. I think think Julio had somebody really bad in the the mix of his uh, co-conspirators here because – he had already set up. He was ready to go abroad and lay low while waiting for forged papers and uh, uh, and continuing takes money. shipments of narcotics to yep. to flow. So this guy yeah, was Julio be a boss in that group, <laughs> and uh, whoever be the guy that set up the Zeppelin. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Can't, couldn't you do something better than right. flying a? I mean, shit. Freaking Zeppelin over the Zeppelin's got to cost more than Well, he had uh, 500 pounds of cocaine. Yeah, money was no, that was no object. That's what I'm saying. So Julio, Julio B. back in prison. He should have done a hot air balloon or something. Right? Would have been. <laughs> Never noticed that. He just got. got <gasps> what's, got the, what's the plane that hovers? Uh, Harrier, right? Uh, um, Harrier jet. Yeah, Harrier. Yeah. yeah, he could have just got a Harrier yeah, jet. Yeah. That wouldn't allow it. Hey, Lex Luthor escaped <laughs> yeah. from prison in a hot air balloon, well, if you'll remember. That's true. Uh, that dude in Pennsylvania escaped because he climbed the wall like Spider-Man. Gene Hackman's the best yeah. Lex Luthor of all time. I agree. The best criminal mind of our age. Remember that? I do. I'm trying to think. There was the younger guy in the more recent movies that played Lex Luthor. He wasn't very good. Well, shout out to Lex Luthor. Shout out. Keep killing it. Keep killing it. All right, Woody Everton, any final thoughts? Rrescue.org. See something, say something. Help in human trafficking. And we're going to give y'all the date and time of Mike's egg challenge. And we'll also get the total uh, amount and everything, and we're going to find out who to send the money to. I think it automatically goes to them. I think it's already set up. Okay. All right. Good, good. That takes the guesswork out of that. Okay. Well, and if if it should happen and I should die that day, I want you to make sure that – Mr. gets some insurance. That uh, (laughs) – Parish Forensics is alerted ASAP, yes, and they get that autopsy under, done. Under and great uh, American flag. And, honey, I expect you to put me in a nice display up on a shelf in the li- right next to Deuce there in the hey. living room shelves. And we're gonna yeah. we're gonna do this on site, y'all, in the middle of the swamp, right? So, so we're, we're trying to get some. <laughs> there was no needs. swamp we're ever mentioned. Mike does, <laughs> Mike does get not Kira do swamps. To come out and cover it. Right? <laughs> no swamps. <laughs> no swamps. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman, and I'm Woody Everton, and I'm Mike Agavina for Real Life for a Crime Daily. Peace, Peace. Aglets.